this is going to have to go send a voicemail. They always do that <laughs> every time. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 192 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards! Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, but more importantly, our guest today created The Sound of Madness, wrote the book on Ping, and is somehow here to explain. Oh, well, that's actually quite good for you. <laughs> yeah, <They> were, <laughs> because it's, it's in keeping with the topic of what we're about to... Yes, this week's guest is frontman, vocalist, singer, songwriter... And as you're about to find out, one of the loveliest humans to ever exist, this week's guest is Brent Smith of Shinedown, or as they're now known to me and Morgan, Shiny D. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the kings of American radio hits. Over the last two decades, Shinedown have taken over the world with their emotionally driven alternative rock anthems and messages of hope adrenaline and earworm sing-along choruses not only did this band connect with people play some of the biggest set of festivals around the world but break records now having the most number one singles in the history of the billboard mainstream rock charts which is a huge deal especially in the states and vocalist Brent is with us today to not only get into all of that, but take a peek behind the curtain into his personal life, relationship with his audience, struggles with substance abuse, and an overall insight into his creative mind, experiences, and him as a person. This guy is such a great storyteller. We really hit it off. And both of us came away from their set at Downloads Festival this summer full of smiles. They were fantastic. They had the crowd eating out the palm of their hands. And um, do you know what? When we were about to set up to do this, I like Shinedown, but I wasn't sure how this would go. And can I just say thank you very much to Brent and all of his team for getting us to do this because this literally was awesome. I loved it. I loved how open he was. Brent really seemed to enjoy this. So thanks again to Brent and Shinedown and Atlantic Records and Eric, and Steve. Anyway, yeah, you're all this getting into the chat that we have. And um, yeah, it was lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Yeah, and he really loved your mullet from the word go. So I think well, maybe the, the power of the him. mullet took over. 
that's what it is now. A lot of people are saying that they um, come on this podcast just to see the back of mm. my hair. So um, <laughs> that's weird. But yeah. Yeah, we had a great chat with Brent. We talked everything from new album to playing Wembley Arena, which is fucking huge for any band. So yeah. And there's a lot of great stories just about really what, why it's so important to make an experience for his audience. Touring with the likes of Kiss, Van Halen and Iron Maiden in the early days. Signing a really unique developmental deal before the band started and a lot of chaos with fake IDs, weather and their massive UK tour scheduled for later in the year in November and December. But before we get into the conversation, a quick reminder, if you enjoy what we do, please go and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. It's the best way to support the podcast and you get a lot of extra bonuses over there in return for signing up. But without any further ado, it's story time with Mr. Brent Smith of Shinedown on episode 192 of Sapnin Podcast. Shiny D! Sapnin! Sapnin! Shiny D. I hope that catches on. Sapnin! 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 Yes! Yes! Our guest this week is singer, songwriter, and vocalist of the band that crushed Download Festival, (laughs) Shinedown. (laughs) Brent, how are you? What's happening, gentlemen? I've been great. I've actually only been back in uh, the United States for uh, roughly 48 hours. We were able to, to get out of uh europe uh we were actually in brussels right before the uh the shutdown and everything so we actually snuck out pretty quickly it's still a bit of a whirlwind from the european side of things and the uk side of things these festivals are massive and Mm. when you put two and a half years of a pandemic (laughs) and just the anticipation of everybody being back together it just became even more of uh, just an overwhelmingness of emotion, especially at download, just because the magnitude and the size of the people that are attending, but also too for us, you know, we uh, were known in the States and other markets as this band's production. It's a lot of theatrics. It's a lot of production. It's a lot of pyrotechnics and things of that nature. So we were able to bring fire for the first time download, which was fun. Uh, but also just announcing the headline run, which is in November and December of this year, playing Wembley Arena for the very first time. And a lot of a lot of these buildings that we've played before, but never as a headliner. So it, it really I'm just kind of getting back to the U.S. and kind of coming down a little bit from all the festivals. Uh, but just an overwhelming response and uh, quite emotional, actually. Yeah, because I was going to mention, man, like obviously doing these uh you know, this festival circuit at the moment, it must feel like another world really going back and forward between Europe and the States and then seeing how intense things are one side, one side of the world and then coming home and having like a couple of weeks, a few days off. Yeah, I mean, the thing about what's going on, uh, particularly in our world right now when it uh, relates to Shinedown is the last two and a half years, we haven't stopped. Now, even when the pandemic began, 
we weren't, the way we looked at it was, we can't be afraid or scared. We have to get educated because we didn't know what was going on. So the biggest thing that we did was we started to just educate ourselves as to what was happening. And obviously what we did with Atlas Falls, which we had a lot of people support that, raising over half a million dollars um, with direct relief globally for COVID-19 response, but then also just kind of learning what you could, could not do at the time. But we never had this mentality of like staying inside. You know, we wrote our brand new album, Planet Zero, uh, in the midst of a pandemic and began touring immediately when we could. So everything has just been uh, a roller coaster of sorts, but it's been controlled chaos in a way because it was all about getting back to the public, getting back to playing shows, getting back to being together. And now with the record getting ready to come out, which we have waited for for quite a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it feels good to be out and, and being with people. So overall, there's a lot of emotions, man, just in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you could see from how many people showed up and rocked out to download. That was the same for those people there. They've waited for two and a half years, even longer to see Shinedown. And yeah, what a moment that was in the, in the fantastic weather we had as well. That was mad. Mm. It's the, it's, the, it's yeah. officially the driest download that they've ever <laughs> had because it no, it normally pisses down at some point. What's interesting, too, is the last time we were at Download was on our last album cycle, which was the record Attention, Attention. And it was at the beginning of 2018. And the day that we played, because um, we were on the Guns N' Roses day, it was us, then Marilyn Manson, then Guns N' Roses. And it was bone dry when we played then, too. So we've got two for two at that slot position, you know, it kind of helps out that we named the band Shinedown. We, we always <laughs> yeah. tell people we did that on purpose. <laughs> so that when we show up to outdoor events, it's always sunny. You should add that to your like booking agent to always say, shine down, go somewhere. They bring the weather with them. So, yeah. I mean. Except for this year at Welcome to Rockville, when th there was oh. a three-day torrential like, storms and lightning. Uh, we were actually, on the second day, we were the only band that was a headliner at the back half of the day. We had, we got to play four songs <laughs> before they oh, shut it down. So no way. Uh, I think it depends on the, uh, depends on the country. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But obviously like talking about all this, I mean, Shinedown have been going for over 20 years now and you have seen so many changes in like the kind of band's trajectory and just music in general. But what I've always noticed is that things keep on escalating for you. There never seems to be a quiet period or decline. As you still go on now and you prepare to put out your seventh album, is it still kind of just surreal to see all the milestones you keep on achieving as a band as it goes on? I think it's important for me, first of all, that's a, that's a really good question and observation. Um, I've got to be a hundred percent straightforward about it. It comes down to the fact that we have a fan base that continuously grows. We have often said this because it's a hundred percent true. We have one boss in this band. It just happens to be everyone in the audience. We're very, we're, we're very in tune to what they want. We listen to them. We want their feedback. You know, a Shinedown show is very much an experience between the band and the audience. And that 
is also something that is involved in the music that we present and we produce and we put out to the public. I think the reason behind why there's never really a downtime is because there's always somewhere else to go. You know, if, if you feel like you've arrived or you feel like you have quote unquote made it, then if that's good for you, then stop, I guess. But that's not the way that we look at things. We're always constantly looking at every milestone as a mountain. So if let's use the three of us here for an example. If I was at um, base camp and looking at this gigantic mountain and I said to myself, there's absolutely no way I can get to the top of that mountain alone. But if the two of you help me and I help you, so we help each other, there's probably no mountain that we can't climb to the top of. And the dynamic of that is you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And we always try to be the hardest workers in the room, but the goal is about that consistency and that family environment and understanding that you can't do it alone. And it's much more rewarding when you can do it together. But as you climb these mountains and you go through these milestones, as you get to the top, take a moment, give each other a hug, say good job, but then go find a bigger mountain. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to going hiking with you if that's an invite at any point as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Can, uh... <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm too lazy for that. I'm too lazy. Boys, you're going to have to conquer the hill. Just you two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm uh... out. I'm out. <laughs> but, but mentioning that kind of relationship with the audience there, I think that's always been such an important element of Shinedown. And I've seen you guys live a bunch. And one thing that always resonates with me is, as a frontman, how much you try to get the audience involved. You're not one of these bands who just play the music. You like to talk to them, like to get them involved any possible way you can. And I think that's become such a staple of that live experience for you. Was there a moment in particular where that like flip kind of, that switch flipped for you that you, you wanted to make sure that they were as important, felt important as possible. Yeah, there was, um, I, I am a massive fan of Maynard James Keenan and everyone in tool, but as a front man, I am the opposite of Maynard. <laughs> um, and why I bring that up is that what you just said, there are some artists because it's a, an environment, it's a spectacle, it's a performance. So some artists, some front men, it is specifically about the music and um, there's a journey that's being taken. With us, I had to learn in the beginning, by the way, I had a lot of teachers. And what I mean by that is I was so fortunate early on to have been able to be on tour with a lot of great bands. You know, I remember the, one of the very first big tours that we did was um, Van Halen when Sammy Hagar. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, there was literally one of the very first tours that we were actually on because we were consistently with them for two months. So I had been able to befriend Eddie Van Halen. I was able to ask questions on a daily basis. Um, I was able to kind of watch this machine. The, the other idea of that too was, you know, I look at when we had the opportunity to go on tour with Iron Maiden and we did over 44 shows with them. And watching that, 
And what I'm getting at here is to the question, was there a switch or a flip that that kind of happened? Early on, I would watch different front men and different front women and how they handled themselves on stage in front of their audience. So there would be things about each of those performances that would be something where I would look at it and go, that's very interesting what they did right there. That's cool what she did right here. And I would never, I would never steal anything but I would borrow the dynamic of what was happening. So it led me to, I remember the very, very first time I did it too, I was, I was terrified. But if you know anything about Shinedown, if you've ever been to a Shinedown show, usually what happens is this, the beginning of the performance happens, usually roughly the second song in, or sometimes the third song in, I will then present myself to the audience and say, if this is your very first time ever seeing Shinedown, raise your hand. Don't be shy. The cool thing about it is a lot of times, 80% of the audience raises their hand. And why that's so cool is that that shows me that the band is growing because yeah. you play for an audience. You hope that, you know, each individual in that audience, they'll tell a friend next time that you're in town or you're in the country and then they'll bring a friend and then they'll bring a friend and they'll bring a friend. But then the next thing that I do is I ask everybody in the audience to look to their left and then look to the right and to understand that the person that is standing next to you right now, you may have never met them until tonight's event. Uh, so we're going to change that. Everybody turn to your neighbor because I want to see you shaking each other's hands, giving each other high fives, tell everybody how nice it is to see them at the show. And what that does is it breaks the ice with the event. And it also breaks the ice with the audience with each other, because a lot of times you're going to these events and they're massive. And listen, we've played in front of five people before and we played in front of 500,000 people before. It's all the same. You want the audience to feel comfortable and to understand like, oh, wait a minute. This is a moment in time, but this is our moment in time together. So it allows everybody to know that they're all there for the same reason to let go, to have fun, to be together, even, you know, the fact that they're around thousands and thousands of strangers, it just allows this kind of overwhelming wash over of people to know I can be as animated as I want. I can yell and scream. I can jump. I can crowd surf because this is my family. These are my people. And we're all here to get down with each other. But I think that's a real personal feeling for everyone in attendance as well, because they actually, it comes across that you were talking to them directly. And I felt that at a lot of your shows in the past. And one story I remember you vividly talking about is that you once watched a, a, a clip from a Coldplay documentary and saw that Chris Martin was talking about really before he didn't used to look people in the eye at gigs, but then he started doing it and realized that, that was really important because you never know if you're going to ever see these people again. And that was something you really took on board after seeing that clip. Am, am I right? Yeah, it, it's interesting because I saw that clip, you know, a, a while ago. But I appreciated the fact of how endearing he was when he was explaining it. Because he remembered the climb, if you will, of playing in front of, you know, the bartender and your mom and her friends, you know what I mean? To stadiums. 
And it's like he he had to remember and he kind of lost a little bit of the thought process as it was getting bigger because with so many people, it's like, I can't look him in the eye. I'm going to get lost in translation or I'm going to get, it's going to take me off my game. And the interesting thing about that was, is that he went back even in these big places and kind of made himself look into the eyes of everyone because there is that connection. You know, sometimes when you're on stage, you'll, you'll scan the audience, not inadvertently, so to say, but there's a lot going on up there. You know, it's a lot of muscle memory, but you don't want to mess anything up. You want to be singing and performing well. You don't want to miss a cue, especially if you have a big production. So a lot of times you have to, you have to find a balance between kind of looking directly at people and then kind of looking out at people. Um, but you don't want to lose the human connection and you don't want to lose what I call the human condition, which is we're all on this planet for a reason, I believe. And we're all here at a certain time with each other. And we all have a purpose of why we're here together and what better place than when you are at a, uh, a concert, if you will, because you're celebrating music and you're celebrating being together. But I thought that it was really um, for Chris Martin to kind of understand that he needed to, to get himself in check and he needed to focus on those moments, you know, when he's on stage, even in these big events, like, yes, you look out, but, you know, be aware because that eye contact with that one person can have a profounding effect on that individual and can also have a profounding effect on the performer. Mm. So don't, don't miss those opportunities. <laughs> you talked about that touring with some huge bands and the likes of Iron Maiden and Van Halen. You've, you played shows with Kiss. Obviously, you know, you, you at a stage now where you, you do a lot of huge headline shows. Um, but when you go back to doing those support slots, especially kind of in the early days or now when you get offered those 40 plus show runs with some iconic bands, is it a, a bit of a, a weird experience sometimes because fans of bands of that level are there to see the band they pay the ticket to see for. Sometimes they don't care who's supporting. They, you hear some horror stories from some support bands sometimes, but the way you communicate with the fans, the way you've just talked about everything do you feel sometimes it actually helps you steal fans or it could be met with uh, with crickets as well ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, it's an interesting way that you put it. Um, you know, I remember, you know, 2017, when we did the Iron Maiden run, we got this massive opportunity and Maiden specifically asked us to come out and do this run uh, with them. We said, absolutely, because I'll give you an example. I remember the very first show and we were in Antwerp. Uh, we were in Belgium with Maiden. And the way my mind processed this tour was I thought to myself, first of all, they gave us 50 minutes. And second of all, once we arrived on the first day, there's a reason that band has been around for almost half a century and consistently plays stadiums and they could play stadiums on their own. They don't need anyone. But the fact of the matter is, is that has a lot to do with they have a lot of the same people in their crew that have been with them for 30, 40 plus years. And these men and women behind the scenes, once again, you go back to that thing where you're always learning, like keep your eyes and your ears open when you get these opportunities to, especially for me and the band, like when we go out with a legacy artist like that, we are paying attention to what's going on because uh, you can always learn something. But I remember thinking to myself, we got 50 minutes. That's roughly 11, maybe 12 songs. And so I thought if half of the venue, like if the venue is half full by the time we're like halfway through our set, so like six songs in, seven songs in, hopefully, fingers crossed, there's at least like half of the building is, is in there so that we can play for people that maybe wouldn't know who we are. At the end of the day, it's our responsibility on that deck to, we're there to entertain them. But what happened was this. I remember the first night I get on stage, my head is down. I never look at the audience before during the daytime or during the evening, even when we're headlining events, two or three bands before us, what have you. I never walk out and look at the audience ever. The first time I see the audience every night is the downbeat of the first song when I open my eyes and I look at them. So I had my head down. First song was a song called Adrenaline. So right out of the gate, it's a fast paced song. I look up in this arena, first night of being on tour with Maiden, and the whole house is stacked to the rafters, like oh. everybody's in there. And in my mind, I said to myself, oh, it's on. Because Maiden, I believe, brought us out because they also believed that we have a hammer too, if that makes sense. And the reality was that I kind of knew what I was getting into at that point. And by the way, every single show with Maiden, every venue before we walked on stage, it was full. Every venue was full. And so there's this respect, I think, in a way from their audience too. like if Maiden has them on the tour, we're all going to get in there and watch who they brought out to open up for them. But it's your responsibility to go out there and earn those fans. It's not about stealing them or anything like that. you got to earn it. And if you earn it and they believe you and you're honest about it, 
They'll be with you forever. Yes, yes, they will. Well, uh, yeah, to the point now where you're doing Wembley Arena. Does it feel, does it feel mad for you to say that out loud? A hundred percent. That's fucking nuts. Wembley Arena, like, that's unbelievable. But yeah, one of the things I wanted to um, talk to you about, you might have talked about it a lot, but I, I've never heard you talk about it, was um, how Shinedown kind of came about with the developmental deal with Atlantic. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've never heard you really tell our story, and I think that would be super interesting to our listeners about, yeah, how that came about and how it started. Yeah, it, it honestly, when I when I think about it, um, it's a bit Shakespearean in a way. It's such a long story with a lot of detail. I'm going to condense it a little bit. I was in a band. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, um, in the United States. And I've been in bands my entire life. Like literally from birth, I knew what I wanted to be. As my earliest memories are, I always wanted to be a performer. I 1000% always wanted to be a singer. And for whatever reason, at a very young age, once I learned how to write, I started writing in a song format, which was interesting. Because um, I didn't really know what sonnets were or <laughs> you know, poetry for that example or, or what yeah. have you, but I would hear songs the way it was laid out and the rhyming frame and things of that nature. So I was always very, very interested in that. Um, so from birth, literally, I, I knew what I wanted to do. So I started playing in bands when I was 12 years old. And then by the time I was 15, I was playing in clubs because I had a fake ID and it allowed me to like play in the club. But like once I was done, I had to get the hell out. Um, <laughs> so I got signed in Knoxville with a band um, and I was signed to Atlantic Records and the, uh, the A&R, which is a gentleman by the name of Steve Robertson in the industry. He's known as Steve-O, but, um, and by the way, Steve Robertson, who is, who signed the first band that I was in is 20 years into shine down and is still the A&R for uh, that. I oh, wow. nice. I've been with That's the same amazing. label. The band has been on the same label for 20 years. Also into good entertainment, McGathy promotions and Bill McGathy, who's the band's manager, never had any other manager. Ben's been wow. there from day one. That's almost, yeah, that, that's almost unheard of. That's, yeah. that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Cool. So kind of getting the story uh, presented here, ultimately what happened was the band was signed. We, uh, the first band and I, it was about 10 months of demoing and, and trying to get things put together and, and what have you. And then the band was dropped. But a month before the band was dropped, Steve sent me to Los Angeles and he sent me to Los Angeles to work with these three individuals and they were actual songwriters. And the reason he did this was he had a theory about me. And so went to L.A., wrote these songs with these gentlemen, came back, presented these songs to the label and what have you, kind of didn't hear anything. And then we were dropped. Two weeks after being dropped, I knew that I was either going to do one or two things. I was either going to go to Los Angeles or I was going to go to New York City, but I wasn't going to stay in Knoxville. Steve called me and said, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm OK. And he said, I want to sign you. And I'm like, you just dropped me. 
And he's like, <laughs> I know. I want to sign you to a development deal. And I said, I don't know what that is. And he said, well, it was, it was kind of created by Ahmed Erdogan for people, uh, for your podcast, your listeners, what have you, uh, who don't know who Ahmed Erdogan is. Ahmed Erdogan is the founder of Atlantic Records. And Ahmed Erdogan was this in amazing individual. He signed Aretha Franklin, Led Zeppelin, Ray Charles. <laughs> uh, wow. I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and what he, what he, uh, what he presented to the industry was, and this is early days, you know, you're talking about like the fifties, the sixties and stuff like that. He said, you have to develop the artist. You have to allow the artist to evolve. You also have to give the artist the tools that they need. If you believe that they are a songwriter and maybe they're not with the right people per se, you have to be able to, if you see talent, you see, um, if you see something there, you have to nurture it. You can't just think that it's going to happen overnight. So you've got to develop the artist. So that's exactly what he did. Steve Robertson. Um, he called me and he said, I want to sign you to a development deal. This is what we're going to do. So long and the short of it, I signed the deal and it basically took me on this journey, which was a three year journey at that point. And the goal was always, I never wanted to be a solo artist. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted the camaraderie, but signed that development deal. And he, it was trains, planes, and automobiles with <laughs> me and Steve, like live. We were on, like every, like we were in rental cars together on buses on trains we were flying he put me in in the first year i think i wrote with over 500 different songwriters what? like it was there was no days off it was constant and the thing was is i remember that his whole approach to it was why he sent me to LA. I asked him, you know, in this year time, this first year, I was like, why did you, why did you resign me? Like, wh why are we on? Like, just what was your thinking? And he basically said to me, he goes, I believed and I still believe. And my hunch was correct. We were about a year into it together um, with all these songwriters and stuff. He was like, I believed you were, he goes, I believed you were a songwriter, but you weren't around the right people. And I needed to put you in front of real songwriters. I needed to put you in front of people that this is what they do uh, to see if you kind of like, you know, a bird in a lot of ways, man, I needed <laughs> to throw you off the cliff and see if you <laughs> yeah. would fly, you know? Um, but the whole journey brought us to shine down and creating shine down. And 20 years later, here we are. God bless Steve. -O. Well done, Steve. -O. <laughs> yeah. Fair play. But that, a story like that is really unheard of this day and age because we hear so many things from bands, you know, where like they feel like they've made a great album, they present it to a label, and they're like, "Well, you need to write more singles," or yeah, you know, one one album doesn't do as well as like they expected, and the band is dropped, and this whole thing. So I'm sure from a young age that just must have put like a lot of faith in you that when you realize what this was, what's just happening, that you know you would succeed down the line somewhere and that, and that you had a lot more faith behind you. Well, the interesting thing was that, and it, and it's just, um, I was, I was naive to the fact that you, you know, I immersed myself 
in the rock and roll culture as I was growing up in heavy metal and punk rock. But I was heavily influenced by soul music and R&B and all these different things. But like in the rock and roll lifestyle, and you look at this and you read all these books and you watch all these bootlegs and you see all these things and you kind of think sex, drugs, rock and roll, which, by the way, it was all of that. But the thing about it is, is that the early amount of what I knew when I got signed was not what um, I thought it was. And what I mean by that is this. First of all, you are literally hanging out with somebody that is one of the luckiest human beings on the planet because I have been in so many very interesting situations in the rock and roll lifestyle that I went down a lot of very interesting roads that led me into some chaotic experiences. And the good thing is that I was lucky enough that um, when I, my 30th birthday, I got the most amazing gift in the world. Um, still to this day, is still the greatest gift I've ever been given. Uh, and that was the birth of my son, hmm. um, uh, who's actually right next door, um, <laughs> <laughs> who just hit me up on this podcast and said, Dad, I'm going downstairs to get something to eat. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> um, who's, who is now 14 years old because my son literally saved my life uh, in regards to substance abuse and just certain things that are, I hate to say it, but kind of cliche in the rock and roll world. The thing that, why I say this is that I'm so lucky is the fact that he was able to save me from my vanity, which is one of the reasons why I got clean, which was one of the reasons why I focused all my energy and being the best songwriter I can be, the best performer I can be, the best father I can be, son I can be, friend I can be, leader I can be, businessman I can be. Just He's one of the major reasons why I'm as driven as I am. But the, the lifestyle, as, as you're saying, and that idea of a contract and you know all this glitz and glam and everything like that, it wasn't like that for me. It was hard work. It's so valuable that I had that early on. I'm so lucky that Steve Robertson came into my life during this journey because had he not, I wouldn't have had some of the fundamental tools early enough to be able to really look at my craft and figure out how I can be the best at what it is I do. And why I'm saying this is that, yeah, man, there is this kind of folklore in the rock and roll world of it's money and sex and drugs and all these things. If you're successful, this and that and the other, and the, you know, the rocket ship can be really, really steep when it happens. But when that happens and you have kind of a career that does this nine times out of 10, that happens and you crash. Um, my trajectory was, and the band's trajectory has been more like this. You know what I mean? So there's been a steadiness to it all, which allows you to have more experience to see what to do, what not to do. And yeah, when you're younger, you can kind of be a little foolish, be a little silly. But if you don't grow up, if you don't understand that this industry, it should always first and foremost be about the music. It should mm -hmm. always be about the songs and the music. 
But you got to remember something. It's a business and it is a cutthroat business. The music industry is probably profoundly the most difficult industry to succeed in in entertainment overall, even outside of the movie business and even like television, TV series, all that kind of stuff. Hands down, the music business is the most difficult business to succeed in. Yeah, yeah. yeah without without a doubt, we we highly agree with you on that <laughs> and all that. But seriously, thanks for, for sharing some really like in depth stories like that. Well, let me yeah. be honest with you about something too. Yeah, it doesn't take anything away from the fact that you do have to believe in yourself. Of course, you truly course. do. That might sound a little bit like a stock rebuttal, or you know, kind of the way I'm presenting it. But it is 100% that you have to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in you and you don't believe in what you're doing, nobody else is going to either. And again, like I say, I can tell you this wholeheartedly. If it wasn't for the fact that I am in a band with Barry Kirch, Zach Myers and Eric Bass, I would not be successful as I am because it isn't about me. It's about us. There is something about the four of us together that creates this living, breathing mechanism, if you will, that has a heartbeat and has a soul and it comes in the shape and it comes in the form of a band called Shinedown. And that is a dynamic, like surround yourself with people that are the hardest workers in the room. I cannot stress that enough. Surround your people, you know, surround yourself with people that are that are solid individuals that love you that care about you and you love and care about them i cannot stress it enough to put yourself around like-minded people um, that have a vision that have a goal and that want to be able to execute it yeah no for sure we see there's always examples of bands who you know don't really get on behind the scenes but shinedown is definitely being a family over the last 20 years we can uh, we can attest to that but you talked about their kind of over the last 14 years kind of dealing with uh with, with drink and i know that kind of you've had a lot of battle with weight loss and stuff but just like in terms of all that mentally would you say like all of that has helped you become the person you are today in terms of, of being in a better place mentally i mean how would you describe because there's a lot of hard work to to realize that that's something you need to work on and then put the work in to achieve that now so how, how are you doing mentally and how do you think that's really affected you over the years what has always worked for me is the fact that I find reassurance in the fact that I'm a work in progress because we all are. So, you know, we're not meant to be perfect. We're not meant for things to be easy or seamless because here's the thing. If, you know, if things were just given to you, you wouldn't respect it as much. And if you didn't work for it, you wouldn't care about it as passionately as you do. So for me, you know, it's a lot of trial and error, you know, um, and just kind of finding out works, you know, what works for me uh, from a personal standpoint, because what works for me may not work for somebody else and what works for them may not, you know, isn't going to work for me. So you have to kind of tailor, you know, your life, you know, you're only going to get one of this existence on this planet. You know, I believe that we're all made up of energy and I, you know, I think in a lot of ways, it, it's an interesting dynamic because I think that in this day and age, I see it with younger people and I see it with how 
society is today because with social media and the dynamic that we're all under kind of like a microscope, I often tell people like these devices that we're on right now, you got to remember something. You're in charge. Like, don't forget that. Like these smartphones and all these dynamics, like remember that you're in charge. It's not supposed to be the other way around. But I see that coming from a place of over time that I've also back in the day when I was doing drugs, when I was drinking, when I was a wreck, if you will, um, just so everybody knows, I had to pay for that. Like for those, like when I messed up, I had to pay for it. You know, I, I didn't get away. I, the, I did not get away scot-free by any stretch of the imagination. And that's a dynamic too, where it's like, I never want to relive those moments. I have them up here. I remember what it was like and it was hard and it was rough. And I hurt my family members and I disappointed people. And, you know, I had to show them, like I had to earn their trust back. And and it didn't happen overnight. So I have to think about those things a lot too. I have to remember that when I go through a daily uh, routine that I have now, because my life is built around um, a schedule per se, but you know, I work out religiously. I try to eat the best that I can. I try to be motivating for people. I try to make sure that um, I keep a level of uh, understanding with the people around me, but kind of answering your question, it's life, man, it's experience. And once again, uh, you really have to focus on understanding that it's never going to be perfect, man. We're all a work in progress. That being said, you do have to find the answer for yourself on a personal level. And sometimes that can just come down to the simple fact of what's right and what's wrong and what are you going to do about it? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And like flipping on to uh, those life moments and a lot of the success shine down we've had over the years, there is uh, one mad statistic. And obviously as we're based in the UK, a lot of UK fans don't understand the magnitude of this, but in US radio and the Billboard mainstream rock chart, for example, you're the most have the most number one singles, and that is a statistic that is absolutely insane when you think mad. about it. You overtaken people like Tom Petty, for example. I know for a Take lot of that, you in Tom. the band, <laughs> that is a, <laughs> that that is a mind blowing in in itself. I mean, can you just kind of explain what? things like that actually do for the band how many doors are opens because i think over here we just kind of had the uk single charts and like right. all that kind of stuff but we we always hear about the billboard and how important that is and it's become a kind of a thing of legacy for a lot yeah. of bands so I'm, I'm sure having that statistic of having the most number one singles on it a That's is mind what a mad sentence <laughs> and, and b is is kind of a surreal thing in itself So, first of all, um, the amount of humility that we have (laughs) and the amount of gratitude is ultimately unmeasurable, if I'm being honest about it. To give people an understanding of it, in the United States, there 
are multiple charts. Billboard kind of being the pinnacle of the recorded music in all these different formats and different genres of music. There's also another sector here in the United States called Media Base, which literally every single time an artist is spun on the radio and now with DSP and Spotify, Shazam, Pandora, Apple Music, Google Play, Amazon, like all of it, it, it's all integrated into that as well, which makes it even bigger. But in the United States, there are 50 states. So inside of those 50 states, there's multiple cities. So every city in that state can have upwards of 15 to 20 radio stations in every individual city. So you have like active rock radio, mainstream rock radio, alternative radio, hot AC radio, top 40 radio. Then you have country, you have urban, you have uh, R&B, you have hip hop, like all these genres. And there's so many towers in every single state, in every single city. So the magnitude of that is these charts are recording every time an artist is played, every single that's played, every song that's played in the duration of that artist's um, history. So for us to categorize it, we have soon to be releasing our seventh album, but we just released our second single off of Planet Zero, which is a song called Daylight. So Daylight is technically the 29th single that we've released as a band. And so inside of that release, we hold the record for the most number one singles on the mainstream and active rock, modern rock chart in America, which is insane. That's nuts. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Like, and all 20, the other thing too that's nuts is that all 29 singles all, all went top five. <laughs> class that's amazing yeah i don't in 2022 now it, can that ever be achieved again will a band have the longevity and actually you know what i have to i have to take that back all 28 singles have gone top five because daylight just started um so yeah but anyway to, what were you saying will that ever be achieved again yeah, yeah i don't think that could be possible now the way artists kind of come and go so fast nowadays i think i mean as long as the chart exists because like for example the 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 chart that they're talking about with us that we have the most number ones on what have you, that's a that chart's been around for 40 years so as long as those charts last and radio is still a thing which it's going to be like listen in our lifetime you will not see the terrestrial radio is not going to wear and there's a lot of really specific reasons why that is but i guess in answer to your question anything's possible i mean as long as that chart exists anything's possible Brent, just say, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. I'm the king of radio in America. Take that, Tom Petty. I can't do it. You should be very proud of it's that a, statistic. Yeah, it's, unbel- it's absolutely fucking mental. That's amazing view. Yeah, congratulations. But I'm going to be honest I, with I you. I, I got to be honest with you about it. A lot of that, and I know you guys are in the UK, but it, it, it still works together from a global standpoint, even in America, there is, it's, 
what I'm saying is that it's people like yourself that are that support the band and support the music. And you're giving me a platform today to reach an audience that maybe I wouldn't be able to reach. Um, you've taken the time out of your day to, to talk to me. So that success is built on the fact, you know, going back to why we have one boss, but it just yeah. happens to be everybody in the audience. And that <laughs> goes both ways, like terrestrial radio for us in the United States, man. They have been so supportive of us from, from day one when, you know, in the beginning, people didn't get us. Like they didn't understand who we were like at the beginning, like the first album, things like that. You know, all the things that we thought were going to happen, like we're going to be all over MTV and on Rolling Stone and all these different things like that. No offense to those conglomerates or anything, but quite frankly, and they just didn't get us. And um, that's all fine and good. You're allowed to have an opinion. But the people that did get us was radio, was terrestrial radio and the rock chart and the alternative modern uh, and the modern rock charts and, and what have you. You know, the other thing, too, is we're one of the few American bands in the U.S. that have cross formats over the years, too. So we're played on alternative radio. We're played on on active radio, mainstream rock radio. But we also get played on hot AC. We get played on top 40. You know, we get played on triple A. And when you can cross those formats, you become global. You become mainstream has been made. That word has been made to be some kind of an ideology of like you sold out. And that's not the case. All it means is that more people know who you are. And to use the, the Newstead approach about selling out. Yeah, we sell out every seat in the house. <laughs> yes! Nice. That's nice what we one. want. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's where we yes. But speaking of uh, hits, we should talk about the new album, Planet Zero. Of course, it's the seventh album. But one thing I've noticed is you've said that this is quite controversial for a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff because you kind of touch upon subjects you've shied away from in the past on these new songs. So... After all these years, why do you feel like you could tackle those subjects now 
what are they and how different do you do you feel that songwriting method has been to allow you to talk about these things now it needed to be the, the topics needed to be talked about and the subject matter needed to be talked about because i i want the human race to survive like it, I, I i want us to survive look it, it, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, whether you're younger, whether you're older, the color of your skin, that's irrelevant. Your religion, who you are as an individual, that's up to you. That's what makes you an individual. That's what makes you original. But the polarization of what we witnessed um, in society on this particular record and why it's still going on. And we need to continue the conversations to create real action and an understanding and a respect towards each other has to be built in the ideology of we have to communicate with each other. Just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean that I want to fight you. It doesn't mean that I wish harm on you or anything. If anything, I want to learn something from you and maybe you can learn something from me, but you have to be able to have a dialogue that doesn't always result in violence, whether it be physical or mental. And I don't want people to lose their empathy towards each other and their respect towards each other. So why it needed to be done and why we had the four of us in the band had to look at each other and go, if we're going to do this, we have to do it all in and we have to do it together. And we have to have a reasoning why we have done this and why we are presenting it the way that we are, because we're actually trying to affect real change for the betterment of society and also for our children and for future generations. And also because it needs to be, it's necessary for the planet. Like I told people during the pandemic, I said, everybody talks about the internet being undefeated. It's not, it's not the case. Mother nature is undefeated. I think she's proven that time and time again. But also why we decided to do this is that this was the first record written in the midst of a pandemic which everybody on the planet was going through. <laughs> it wasn't like it was like singled out to the individual. We were all going through everything as a planet, as a society. So it was like, I remember the first time me and Eric looked at each other, the very first day, which was kind of the beginning of what became the writing process for, for Planet Zero. We had this idea of like, let's have a crystal ball method, which is let's write like it's three years from now, because nobody's going to want to relive this or remember this. We're going to move on, which we are moving on. But at the time, especially in the United States, there were so many things going on and it wasn't just about the pandemic. There was social change happening. There was also social injustice happening, which by the way, gravitated to the rest of the world and the rest of the world was looking at what was happening in America. When you go back to what happened in regards to George Floyd and all of those aspects, that became a point where we were saying it's about right and wrong. And what has happened to this man at that particular time, that was only one aspect of things, but like at that moment in time, like what, what happened to this man is wrong like wrong. And we've got to make a decision as a society to actually say, this needs to end. Like uh, this kind of behavior and this kind of how you're looking at the whole picture. We've often said in this band, it's not about the painter. 
It has to be about the painting, which is inclusive. Like it means everybody. So we've got to have enough dignity towards each other to respect one another as far as our beliefs, who we are as individuals, how we progress, how we evolve. But inside of that, we have a fundamental duty to take care of one another because I inherently still believe that human beings are good. But at the time of writing this record, man, I was furious about a lot of things and I was aggravated about a lot of things and I needed to get it out. It's a very aggressive record because it's necessary, but it also is a very triumphant record because it's necessary. So it's, it's, it is definitely an emotional roller coaster, but there's a cause and effect inside of the album too. And if people really want to understand it, you need to listen to it from the beginning, um, you know, all the way through. Obviously, you're going to have your favorite songs and skip through that and this and that and the other. But it's presented in a very conceptual way. It's a very, very thought provoking record. And, um, you know, I learned a lot writing it. I learned a lot watching Eric Bass, who is our bass player, who is probably a bass player last. Because the man plays 11 different instruments. Uh, he has perfect pitch. Um, wow. He is the producer, engineer, uh, <laughs> and the mixer of Planet Zero. Uh, he's also one of the main songwriters of the album. By the way, for people that don't know, our last album, Attention, Attention, Eric is the engineer, mixer, and producer of that record. So doing these records in-house like that puts you in a different position when you're in a band that has a band member creating it in its entirety. Also says a lot about Atlantic Records and Warner Music Group because they've never rushed us with any album. They've always, they've never put a clock on us and they've always allowed us to be artists. So uh, wow. there's a lot of things that have to go into place in order to uh, present records like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, Eric, but I am. I am filled with jealous rage at his talent right now. Unbelievable. What? 11 instruments? Hey, that's 10 too many. <laughs> Chill out, Derek. <laughs> that, hey, ele- you can play 11 instruments. That's 12 more than I can play. <laughs> Slow down, Eric. Slow down. But congratulations at the same time. I am furiously jealous. By the way, it, it 11 instruments that I know of. Oh, yeah. It's more, it's bound to be more than I I do, I do love the fact his last name is Bass and he plays bass because, yeah. come on, he was you born can't for make it. That, you know what? Here's the other thing too. You can't make that up because his full <laughs> name is Frederick... Slapada. Uh, Slapada. Yeah. Yeah, well, his full name is William Frederick Bass the Third. Oh, wow. Sounds nice. posh as well. Nice. Sounds posh. Nice. Very posh. Nice. Yeah, is he, any, is he any good at fishing? Is he any good at fishing? <laughs> yeah. Because that would... Oh, yeah, of course. Fasten. So good at everything from the sounds of it. Wow. Um, well, Brent, we really appreciate you doing this. We don't want to take up too much more of your time because we know you're a very busy man. But uh, just as we quickly wind down, of course, we've mentioned there's so much more to look forward to. Shinedown coming up very soon. You will be coming back to the UK in November and December, playing some big arenas and academies. And of course, that date headlining in Wembley. I'm sure <laughs> that's going to be a full circle moment for you in a lot of ways. But 
What else can we really look out for now? What else is in the pipeline for Shinedown? Please plug anything that people should check out. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is if you need to know anything about what's going on in our world in regards to uh, news and touring and just everything Shinedown, one of the best ways to find out is to just go to uh, the website, which is just simply shinedown.com. Like everything is updated on like an hourly clock, basically, of everything that's going on. Um, we uh, obviously all of our social media. So Shinedown at Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, obviously. And like we have the full gamut of all the social media aspects of things, but a tremendous amount of touring. Um, a lot of new visuals are going to be happening we uh, obviously have the record coming out July 1st, which has been something that we have been uh, waiting on forever. And yeah, man, just, you know, we got a lot of touring and, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of things going on, man. A lot. This, this sounds cool. like a lot. Well, but, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for this. It has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I, I thought it would be good. But I didn't think it would be this fun. <laughs> By the way, and- uh, thank you for showing me the the very first time I've ever seen um, a diamond mullet. I've oh, never seen oh, one in my life before. There we are. Um, and I honestly um, am a little uh, emotional looking at you right now. So uh, thank you for this experience. Oh, wow. Brent, look, look, I just said this has gone very well anyway. You didn't need to do that. But thank you very much. I am now it's calling the it the diamond. on top. <laughs> yeah, I'm now <laughs> calling it the diamond mullet to anybody who will listen. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much for your positivity. Congratulations on all your success, sobriety, and all your achievements. Genuinely, thank you on behalf of everybody in the UK who loves Shinedown as well. Can't wait for fucking Wembley. <laughs> Wembley! And then uh, make sure that we, like, I can't wait to, you know, meet you guys in person. So please come to the show, whatever we need to do on our end. You have the red carpet, you know, from us. Ooh. So please... Come and see us, man. We'll, we got you. We got you. We'll Thank take you. care of. We're, we're, Thank yes, you very that, much. I love that. I yes, d- please. I do have to say before you go, my girlfriend was very jealous of the fact that I got to do this with you today because she is a massive yeah. fan. We oh, saw you is, at yeah. download and she cried three times during the set and she just oh wanted gosh. me. But, oh, just because wanted it was good. Yeah, because it was <laughs> because good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very emotional. Thank very you. emotional crying. Um, but she just wanted to say thank you for the music as well. So I thought I'd pass that message on. But... Yeah, very excited What's for this UK name? tour. Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for uh, all your love and support, dear. Aw, thanks. Wow. Uh, nice. <laughs> um, but can't wait for the tour. Can't wait for the album. Thank you so much for taking the time. This has been fantastic. Gentlemen, much respect. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You listen to Sammy Bogart! Yes! Woo! I like me some Brent. <laughs> I just loved his storytelling. I mean... They've had so many wild experiences. He's great at yep. just communicating, painting a picture and just sharing all those mad experiences. I really enjoyed getting to do this and especially talking about his showmanship, especially with the audience. Because every time I've seen him live, it feels like he is trying to connect with you. Well, I felt like he connected with us. He's either, right? An absolutely beautiful, lovely human. Always found the perfect way of convincing me that he's the perfectly lovely human <laughs> and he's not. But no, um, thank you again to Brent. We genuinely fucking love this chat. I thought we were going to have like fucking 30 minutes with him. And we ended up having over, we ended up doing over an hour. And it was just by the end of it, it was like old friends just hanging out. And he invited us to Wembley, as you've heard. So thank you very much. I can't wait for all that. 
I genuinely think we made a new friend. This the friend. Oh, oh. oh podcast friend. <laughs> That's what I love doing about this. We do make connections with people in weird ways in this absolutely fantastic but uh, a reminder that their new album planet zero is available now and they'll be touring pretty much everywhere the next few months stopping in the uk on november 26 starting their tour in cardiff wales our hometown before hitting manchester what? nottingham glasgow what? and then december 1st that massive special show in wembley arena london I got an idea. Go back a few. Cardiff, <laughs> our own, our own town. Ah, well, you, Murtha, it's the closest one to you, isn't it? Come on. No, I'm not accepted. <laughs> our own town. You fucking cheeky bastard. Home country. Home country. Aye. Yeah, if you want. Yeah. But yeah, thanks again to Brent. I really wanted to talk to him about that de- uh, developmental deal yeah, because that was something super interesting to me that I thought would be interesting to everybody. So... To hear that and how that came about was amazing. And he was just so positive. I love this. So thank you very much for the music. And now the lifelong friendship that he's going to (laughs) regret. He's going to regret ever fucking starting because I will bug him every single day. I'm going to text him right now. (laughs) But yeah, it's really good when we get different insights into aspects of the industry. I don't think people really talk about. So if there's anything like that the listener you would like to hear more of on the podcast let us know at sapling pod on twitter and instagram send us messages give us a follow share our stuff it all helps um also quickly of course shinedown uh song enemies was used to be the theme tune for wwe raw um and since we're big wrestling fans i thought we'd give a shout out to um an unknown wrestler called rick flair who's having his last what? match this weekend. Ah, oh, Rick Flair. Nice one. Well done, Rick. Um, yeah, thanks for um, all the damage you've done to your body for um, our eyes over the years. I appreciate that very much. Also, Vince McMahon has left, was retired from WWE this week. Because, for reasons. That's yeah, it. Turns out he's, a ma- he's, a, he's exactly the massive shit we all thought he was. Who'd have thought, like, well, all of us, all of us. It's like Pantera being back and people going, oh yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot it. I completely forgot that Phil said some racist stuff. Why did I forget that? Oh, because I've always known Pantera were probably racists. Man, like, man. <laughs> Pantera back, by Pantera back, two of the four. Half of Pantera back in a band, so they call it Pantera. Snot. Snot. Snot! Anyway, sorry about that. Um, yes, uh, if this comes out... Uh, Friday, July the 29th. Tonight, I will be DJing in La Pub in Newport. So if you can get down, please come down for a new night called Pump Up the Jam. It had, let me just tell you right now, it had the naming of it and the idea of the night had absolutely nothing to do with me, right? <laughs> I, I prefer marmalade jam, if I'm honest, but Pump Up the Marmalade doesn't really work. So, Come and check it out. It's going to be a rock night in the pub called Pump Up the Jam. I'm going to make something up now that you cannot hold me to in a court of law. I believe the first 20 people in get a jar of jam or what What could they be giving away? Jam. Jam. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, come on down. Check it out. Go on my socials. Um, Pump Up the Jam. In Newport, in the pub, 29th of July, 
that's tonight. Madder, isn't it? That's tonight or yesterday or the day before or the day before <laughs> the, the day before or the I'm not going to. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Did, what, what's your favorite jam? Um, uh, the one with Paul Weller in. Strawberry. Yeah. I'm more of a Marmite man myself. Marmite? Over jam? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, are we learning some stuff on this fucking podcast, I tell you. <laughs> You're not, you are fucking going full heel, like, you are becoming full heel. Ma- I prefer Marmite. I prefer Marmite over sweet, nice tasting stuff. <laughs> I love, I love sour tar that they put on yeah. roads over yeah. lovely sweet strawberries. Wakes you up in the morning, I can tell you that. Bro, you need to try cocaine. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Oh, coffee. Been- coffee would be what, something. You talk about getting you up in the morning. Try coffee. No, don't try coffee. I can only imagine how mad your anxiety would be. Yeah, don't do that. Oh, God. Yeah, we don't need that increased. But at Sapping Pod on Twitter and Instagram to get in touch and to support the podcast, please go check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. As I always Sapnin. mentioned, there is exclusive bonuses on there for you to, uh, to check out once you sign up. And this week, Sean became a robot. So if you I want to find out what all that's about, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. Head to the description Sapnin. of this episode. There's loads of names that we thank. But as always, Sean's going to give a mahoosive shout out to the wonderful members of our Sapnin podcast Patreon so community. Wonderful. Sorry, I've been doing backing vocals to everything you you've have. just been saying for the last um, <laughs> for the last couple of seconds. I think they were quite good. But um, yes, thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwaway, Janelle Caston, Paul Urshfield, Mitch Perry, Dilly Grimwood, Tony Michael, Natasha Morris, Nathan Croshaw, Emma Barber, Kelly Ewan, Sammy G, Kat Besson, Muddy Grimwood, Jenny Robinson, Scott Jones, Kieran Olmey, Amy Dawson, Amy Louise, Tom Owen, Stuart McNaught, Kayla O'Sullivan, Caroline Robinson, Kate Patak, M. Evans Roberts, Martina McManus, Louis Cook, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, Jenny Munster, James McNaught, Kelly Cannon, Emily Perry, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, Craig Harris, Kalila Keane, Adam Parslow, Ollie from the window to the wall while the sweat drips down my balls, Amesbury. I don't think that's his middle name, but thanks anyway. Josh, what do you call men in line for a haircut? A barbecue. Crisp. Uh, Crisp is his surname. It's got nothing to do with the joke. Thank you very much, Alice Wood, Gary White. Thank you very much, Reese Bowling, Kate Stevenson, Kyle David Smith, and last by no means, Connor Lewins. Thank you very much to all of those people and all the people who are in the description and everybody who's ever been part of our Patreon community. You're the best. And the way you support and look after each other fucking literally makes my cold, dead, black heart glow and grow. So thank you very much to all of those people. Thank you very much to Brent Smith. It's been a very, very positive episode, apart from the bit where I mentioned Pantera earlier. But <laughs> let's forget that. Let's move on. This has been a great episode. If yeah. I find out Brent's really friendly with Pantera, this might be a bit of trouble. So I'm sorry about that, Brent. But also, he did do that racist shit, did he? So, um, yeah, is that it? Thank you for listening. We love you very much. Come back next Friday and every Friday. Special guests, more laugh, random comments. And until then, have a fantastic week. Fantastic. 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 Clothing, the Druids. A lot of white clothing, and I like that. That's some Eddie Eddie's on stand up. Anyway, Sunday!
What's happening? I've lost my mind. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>